0: You can flip your bulletins uh, back over, and we are, we're going to follow along if you've never been here before. Right on the front, if you can see them, are the notes from today's message. And so if you have a type A personality, you like to know what's going on, right there will be that. But we preach in series, and we are in the third week of a series that we've called Life Is. And then the little blurb is, God's logical love will change your existence. And so we, we basically are just asking the question, what is life all about? What are you supposed to do here? What, what are you supposed to accomplish here? What, what's the purpose of, of taking up uh, air, sucking in your heartbeat and all that? What, what's going on here? So we started two weeks ago, and we landed, we landed two weeks ago, which I think is the most important, is life is to be loved by God. That's what the book of 1 John says. It says, look, love is, love is not you loving God. That's not, that's not God's love. It's actually that God loved you. So before you ever thought about God, that God was thinking about you, it's such a foundational principle to, to, to the significance of living out a life of purpose. That, that God's love is there for me even when I fail him. And so we talked about life is to, to be loved by God. Last week we said life is to love others. So God loves you You treat others like God loves you. It's not you getting something from other people because God's giving you everything that you already need. He fulfills you. He takes every insecurity out of you. All your feelings of self-worthlessness, they're answered by God. And then you're able to love people the way that he loves you. Today I want to talk to you about something that I think is maybe the most difficult thing in the world for people to to experience in their life. And, And I want to talk to you about trust. Life is to trust God. Let's just take a survey in this room today. You don't need to put your hands up. You could put your hands up in your head. But let's just take a little survey or let me ask you a question. Uh, and so you're not looking around, I'm not going to make people put their hand up and you judge everybody else, even though you're a liar, probably. But anyway, so my question to you is do you have a hard time trusting God? Do you, do you have a hard time? Like when God says to give and tithe, do you have a hard time with that? When God says to seek Him first and everything else will work out, do you have a hard time with that? When When God says to serve, if you want to be great, you must serve. And you're like, I don't have time for that. When when God says to put him first in your time, and you constantly, you know, struggle with that because you're afraid if you put God first, if you don't make him just an accessory and you're like little accessories that you have... If you do all that, then you'll miss out. I would say if you answer any of those questions that you're like most of us, we have a hard time trusting God. That's why going back two weeks, if you haven't listened to that message, knowing how much God loves you is so important. Because when you know how much God loves you, you'll you'll know how much you're able to trust him. Even my kids struggle with this. If you would ask me, what is the number one thing you want for your kids? I want them to grow up trusting God. I want them to grow up being obedient to God. The Bible says that all God's promises are yes and amen. But the only promise in the Bible that's not contingent on on you is God's love. Every other promise is about your obedience. Every other promise is about your trusting of God. But the trust of God is understanding how much he loves you. And they struggle with that even with me. So I want to do a good job of loving them the way that God loves them. And so there's often this struggle in my house with my kids. Like for, for my oldest son, he's, he's kind of got a one-track mind. Anybody else have a child like that where, like if they want to do something, even if you tell them not to do it, they, they do it. And, and then when they, when they do it and you tell them, why'd you do that? In their head, it just makes sense. That they did that. You ever been there? And so a few days ago, Carter comes walking in. He gets up really early in the morning. He's always excited to go to school. He just, he just wants to go. And so he gets up really early in the morning. He got up really early in the morning the other morning. And I wasn't fully ready yet. And I found out if I'm not fully ready yet that they mess with my routine. And so I was trying to get ready. And he wanted to do his hair. Now, we all share hair stuff. We have this little thing called surfer hair in, in, in my house. And, and it seems to go really fast. And I'm not Jesus. I don't turn, you know, stuff into stuff. And so empty things into full things. And so oftentimes, uh, I, gauge, I gauge this. Thing, and I know, hey, this, this certain morning, if I don't do my kids' hair, my kids, they don't take a little bit out. They, they're like kids, they take the whole clump out and it'll be all over their hair, all over the thing. And so sometimes I let them do it if I have a lot of it. But if I have a little bit, I'm like, no, I got to do everybody's hair because I got to do my own hair. And I know that love is to love you first, but that stops at our hair. Like if anybody is walking out of this house without their hair done, it's going to be you guys, not me. And so, anyway. That's just where I land. They're eight and six. Their hair gets messed up like two seconds later anyways, and so, so can I do my hair? Can I do my hair? Can I do my hair? No, hold on a second, buddy. You know, I need to do, I need you to hold on. I didn't tell him why, and if you maybe follow God for long enough, you'll realize oftentimes he tells you something without telling you why. That's the problem. Do this. Okay, why? What are you asking me why for? I'm the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. You're you. Why should I do it? Just do it. So, hey, can I do my hair? No. No, I don't want you to do your hair. A couple minutes later, hey, can I do my hair now? No, buddy, no. Hey, can I do my hair now? A few minutes later, he comes walking out of the thing. His hair's done. Why is your hair done? I just did it. I want to do it. I did it. I go walking in. The the, the, the thing is completely empty. I have nothing to do. My hair, you know, I I flip out. There's things that are serious to me, and my hair is one of them. I'm like, what are you doing? You didn't listen to me. And I said, here's why. I, I tried to be calm. I said, it's because you don't trust me. If you would trust me, you would understand that I see the whole thing. I see the whole uh, parade. I see the whole thing passing by. I know that me, you, Lincoln, and Harrison, all through our hair with a little bit of hair stuff, you can't take it for yourself. Now I can't do my hair, but you didn't trust me. Start trusting me. And then I realized, man, how many times do I do that with God? God will be like, no, not yet. Not yet. Hey, God, can I do this? Hey, not yet. Hey, God, can I do this? Not yet. Well, I asked three times, so I'm just going to do it, and then I'm going to ask for forgiveness later. And God's like, you didn't trust me. But here's the thing, you'll never trust God till you know how much he loves you. But when you know how much he loves you and you know how much he was willing to give up for you, all of a sudden you'll begin to start trusting God. And let me tell you something, this is the game changer for you that follow Christ. This is the thing that separates the men from the, from the boys, the women from the little girls. This is the thing that separates the people in the Bible who we still talk about. And listen, we're not talking about their greatness. We're talking about the fact that they had faith enough in God to trust him and that the miracles that God did and performed and, and acted and enabled through their life because they trusted God. Some of you are in a holding pattern simply because you don't, you don't trust God. So life is to trust God. I want to take you into a scripture verse in the book of Matthew chapter 14 you've been in church a while, you've heard this story, it's always one of the most powerful uh, miracles that that Jesus was a part of, because I think it was was powerful and and profound, because he did something that that he never really did before, he did something that none of us have seen um, before, and so the Bible says in Matthew chapter 14, and just so you kind of understand what's going on, Jesus has just gotten done feeding 5,000 people with a few loaves of bread and fish, he's tired, he's just did ministry, and the Bible says that he needs to go be by himself and kind of refuel with his father. That, that, that's a good life principle. When you do ministry, when you do anything significant, if you're a teacher, if you're a nurse, if you're a student, you should always be going back to the place that's going to fuel you and that's the presence of God. And so Jesus is tired, the Bible says. And the Bible says in, in Matthew chapter 14, verse number 22, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. So he puts them in a boat and says, sail across the other side. While well, he dismissed the crowd, after he had dismissed them, he went up to the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there Alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. If you're like, what does it means? It means they were in a, in, a, in a deep heap of crap. That's what that means. In Greek. Buffeted. They were in trouble. There was big waves arise and there was, there was, there was a storm brewing. I don't know if you ever see Gilligan Island. They were in Gilligan's Island opening scene. And so anyway, it was bad. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Did you get that? Jesus is He's not walking around the lake. He's walking to them on the lake. Jesus sends them out, sees they're in trouble. He's like, you know what, I'm, just gonna, I'm not, I'm not going to wait for a ride. I'm just going to walk to them. And then the Bible says that they see Jesus walking on the lake, and they, like all of us, become terrified of Jesus. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Afraid, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come out on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. And when he began to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Verse 31 says, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and called him, you have little faith, Why do, why do you doubt? Here's what I know. Two things from this scripture as we get into preaching this. Number one, if you're going to follow Jesus with trust, it takes courage. It takes courage. Like everybody talks about courage. Uh, We watch movies about courage. We're excited about courage, but most people don't have courage. Like most people just lack that. But to follow Jesus, it takes courage. Listen, not only courage to get out of the boat, because I think a lot of people do that. We've seen 450 people at the end of our experiences respond to the gospel. Oh, I'm feeling it, man. We're in the middle of a storm. I'm kind of going through hell on earth. I'm going to respond to the gospel. And so they respond to the gospel. They get out of their boat, and they start walking towards Jesus. But my prayer today is by the end of this, that you would develop not only enough courage to get out of the boat, but you would develop enough courage to keep walking on water. You would develop enough courage to keep going when when no one else is going with you. In fact, the Bible says in one of my favorite passages in Hebrews 12, and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for each one of us. Let us keep going with courage when when we don't feel like having courage. Let us keep going when other people are falling off. Watch this. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. You keep going by fixing your eyes on Jesus. So here's a few things I want to talk to you about because I think a lot of us have our, our, our fix Next, I think a lot of us we, we we start to walk, but we get scared. I think a lot of us struggle if we're going to be real with each other at all of our campuses. We struggle with trusting God. We struggle with kind of believing what He says, asking Him to tell us what to do, and then just doing it. Hey, I'll get out of the boat. Okay, I'm out of the boat, and I want to get back in the boat. Okay, God, I'll start. I'll start giving. I'll start tithing. I'll start trusting You. I'll start. I'll start putting You first in my money. I'll start putting You first in my time. I'll start putting You first in my relationships. I'm single. I'll stay single, God. I'm out of the boat. I'm walking. All of a sudden, this big wave of, 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 of cute people starts coming your way. You're like, hey, you know, the big fish in the seas over there, hey. All of a sudden, you want to get back in the boat. You, you, you're doing faithful stuff with your money. I'm, okay, I'm going to start walking. All of a sudden, something breaks in your house because something always breaks in your house. You see, I'm getting back in the boat. We have trouble with continuing to walk, and what ends up happening is we miss the miracles that God wants to perform and If you read the Bible, the difference between what we read in the Bible and many of our lives is simply trust. That's what we read about in the Bible. We're not reading about great people. We're reading about great trust in a great God. So here's four things that I think nix your, your fix. Number one, so I think once you get out of the boat, or maybe you're even in the boat, I think the first thing that gets us to not trust God is we get disgusted by our current situations. We get disgusted by our current situations. I don't know how you, how you believe in God. There's two different ways to believe in God. There's the American way to believe in God and there's the biblical way to believe in God. Can I explain the difference? The American way is, you know, stuff should go good if God likes me, right? Like my, my relationship should be good, my money should be good, uh, my day should be good, I, I should have a, a beautiful wife or a beautiful spouse, that should be good, I should make a lot of money, I, I should have a good life. Like when I start following God, stuff should be, be good. And then if you take the Americanized version that we hear, te- we tend to hear, if you follow God, you're going to walk out a miracle. The miracle always ends up in you having no stress and, and a pure joy and always being happy and just walking around smiling. And being but then if you read the Bible, you're like, well, this doesn't really make sense. It doesn't make sense. Because if you read the Bible, the Bible version of of what God's character is, oftentimes, he sends people into a storm. Now, I don't know if you can see this or not, because it's not in the Bible. We can read into it. The Bible says they get on the lake, and a storm comes. But I don't think it's a surprise storm. I don't think God's up in heaven going, or Jesus going, okay, send a storm to them. I, I think these men, there's fishermen here, there's normal, everyday people that grew up around the ocean. Like, if you are a person that goes to the beach every week in the summer, which you shouldn't be, by the way, but maybe you do go to the beach every like, you know when the beach weather is not beach weather, you're, if it's like wind's coming and tides up, you're not like, oh, I'm going to try it out. You're like, nah, I can, see, I can see it coming from 10 miles out. I don't need the weather channel to tell me there's a storms are brewing. Like, I don't need people to tell me the tide's bad. These guys, they have grew up around this. Like, like, they didn't need Jesus to tell them, this. like, Jesus is like, go get in the boat. I think they're like, is he serious right now? He's going to go up and chill with, 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 with God and Get refueled, he's going to send us into, the, into this, 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 this storm, I'm not going. Jesus is like, no, no, just get, get, get in the boat and go, go to the other side. And I think they get in the boat, and the whole time they're like typical humans, because that's what we grumble, and are like, can you believe Jesus? He's up there, he's probably sleeping right now. I got no doubt, Peter, of all people, is like, I'm done with this. He's going to send me in, tell me I'm going to fish for men. He's going to drown me, I'm going to be fish food. Like, I'm not doing this. We're getting in, and a storm's coming, and then a storm's coming, and and they're like, see, I told you. I told you, Jesus. Dang it. We're in a storm now, and it's brewing, and it's hitting us, and it's buffeting us. I think that was John saying it's buffeting us, right? And so anyway, it's really bad. And what ends up happening in situations, we're like, I'm so disgusted with my situation right now. I'm disgusted because you put me in a bad situation and you place me in a situation that's, that's, that's not feel good and you place me in a situation that's stressful and this can't be God and what we know to be true about God's character is oftentimes he sends you into a storm of struggle but here's what you need to know about your struggle. The struggle that you embrace today, ready, if you, if you embrace it today it will give you the strength to carry the weight of God's call tomorrow. God's call on you tomorrow is too much for you to carry as you are today because you've never developed the strength that you need and the strength that you need only comes through the struggle. There's no 30-minute exercise, pop it in, watch it, drink some water and you're ready to walk out God's call. That's not how it works. If you want to get spiritual muscle, you got to go in and pump some iron. You got to allow God to put you in a situation where there's struggle and you got to embrace the struggle because the struggle that's coming is getting you ready to give you the strength of God's call. I got a brother, his name's Ryan, he has a brother-in-law named Randy. Randy is in the Marines. I don't know if you've ever known somebody that's in the Marines. If you were in the Marine, uh, I want you to understand how much I appreciate you, but you're crazy. That's all I'm saying. Like, Marines are just a different breed. This, this kid is just a different breed. He came out of high school. He wanted to go to the Marines. I came out of high school, and, you know, I wanted to eat pizza and, and play <laughs> video games. And he, he, went to, he went to basic training, and so he went to basic training. He came back, and I asked him about basic training. He told me all sorts of crazy stuff that happened, and I was like, bro, what? I don't know what's wrong with you. And he's like, you know, I went to Afghanistan a couple times, and, and, and he, 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 I'm not saying he enjoyed it, but he felt called to it so much and, and equipped to do it so much that he signed up again, but this time he signed up to be a special, like on the special ops thing, like, like, like the best of the best, like, uh, like, like a bad man pajama, right? And he was, he signed up and I'm like, I'm like okay, well, what are you going to do? And so he started telling us different things. He started, my brother would kind of keep up with him and different things. They would send him out to the desert in Arizona and he would live on all this other stuff. And I started thinking about, about what if, what if they didn't do that? What if they would just put him in a room and they would play a movie, like a Van Damme movie or something like that. Steven Seagal, you know, Last Action Hero, something like that. They would play the movie and they would say, just go. Like, wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't we all like that better? Like, let me just read the Bible. Let me just listen to what, the, like, Peter walked on water, that's awesome. Okay, God, just make me rich. Peter walked on water, that's great, God. God, I just want a good marriage. I want healthy kids. I just want that. Like, wouldn't it be so much easier just put the movie and watch it? But that's not what they do. They actually send him into the extremist areas they can, they can send him so that when he gets into an extreme area, he's already equipped for it because he's already been trained through it. If God is bringing you to something and taking you through something, he doesn't bring you anywhere bad. You can take yourself somewhere bad. You can make a stupid decision. You can make the unwise choice. But if God is in it and you're following God faithfully, he's not taking you somewhere bad, even if it feels bad. And ultimately, if God is seeing you into something or bringing you through something, ultimately, ultimately, eventually, he's going to use it. He's going to use it for his good. If you want to watch a movie that emulates this today, go home and watch a movie on Netflix if you have that called Where Was God? It's a movie about the the tornado that hit more Oklahoma. It hit close to us because we lived in Oklahoma. My wife is from Oklahoma. And we watched this movie and there's not a better description or movie that speaks of the fact that if God brings you through something, he's eventually going to use it. Don't get disgusted by your situation right now. Number two is this is you get disturbed by the people in the boat, don't you? And listen, I don't want to talk about all the the, the non-believers, because listen, when you do stuff for God, people that are outside the church, they're always gonna think you're crazy. It it is crazy. You're gonna give 10% to the church? Man, that is stupid. You, 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 you're gonna go to church every listen, it was Halloween last night. You're getting up to go to church. I know you got an extra hour of sleep. That's crazy though. Like we were getting candy last night and having a good time. What are you going to church for? You, 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 you're going to serve at church? Why are you waste your talent at, you? like, nothing you do makes sense? You're going to forgive your spouse when they, when they talk bad about you, had to argue with you, you're going to call them up and say you forgive them? And don't do that. That's dumb. I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about the other Christians. Let's, listen to what happens in this, in this thing. We, we don't see kind of the wording that's going on, but the Bible says, and we can build the understanding, the Bible says that they thought it was a ghost, right? So they think this is a ghost walking on water, as would, some of you are like, oh, I would have thought of Jesus. No, you would have thought it was a ghost too. Like, you already been, would have been disgusted with Jesus, and now you're having to deal with the ghost, like, walking on water towards you. Like, this is what I'm talking about, Jesus, right? And here comes Jesus, and they, they see him, but they're like, that's, that's a ghost. And Peter goes, whatever, tell me to come to you, I'm going to come to you. And without thinking, he gets out of the boat, he starts walking. And can't you hear, like, all the other disciples, Judas, all the men of the thing, Matthew, they're thinking, you know, what are you doing? That's a ghost, bro. Like, why are you walking? Do you know you're walking on water right now? You know you're walking to a ghost. You know there's a storm going on. We should all be huddled together, holding on to each other, playing it safe. And you're walking. And they're yelling at Peter, I believe, as he's walking on water. And I think one of the hardest things is as you're following God's plan for your life, is oftentimes you're going to come into contact with other Christians who don't trust God the way they're supposed to trust him. And they're going to disturb you from walking out your miracle. I want you to often say this to Christians like that. I'm not sure what's going on in my life. I'm not sure what the situation is, but I'm not bailing. Why? Because I'm in the middle of a miracle right now. Don't bother me. I'm in the middle of walking out a miracle. Peter should have turned around and said, look, you guys are all acting like a bunch of girls in there. You're all afraid. I'm walking on water right now. Stop talking to me. I'm in the middle of a miracle. But instead, maybe he's listening to them say, come back. Get back in the boat. What are you doing right now? You need to understand something about those types Of People is they don't live with this mentality that you should live with this. You should expect great things of God And you should attempt great things for God You should be a bet-the-house follower of Christ. There's no other way to be There's no such thing as a middle-of-the-road follower of Christ. There's no such thing as a book of mediocrity There's not a book that's been devoted to people that were almost there There's a book that there's a whole book not devoted to people But devoted to their faithfulness to trusting a God who does miracles in a lot people's lives I'm in the middle uh, of a miracle right now. Don't get disturbed by the people in the boat. There's a story about a man named Abraham in the Old Testament. You remember if you've been in in church for a long time, he's Father Abraham. He had many sons. You're one of them. And so am I. So let's just praise the Lord right on. Left on. You remember that song, right? And and sometimes when you're a kid, you read people's stories. You're like, yeah, he's kind of cool. He's pretty cool. I like him. But Abraham was an amazing guy. The Bible said that God called him to leave the land that he knew with his wife and He's going to make him a father of a great nation, of many nations, of a of people. So he gets, he gets going. And, and at that time, to have, to have a great nation, you had to have babies. Like, that's the way you had a great nation. So the Dufresneites, if I was going to make a, a nation of people, me and my wife would have to get busy all the time and make a lot of babies. That's the way it works. So, so Abraham gets out, and he's 100 years old. He has no, no babies, none. I mean, could you imagine he's going, God, what are you doing? One time in his life, as he's 100, his wife is 100. I mean, they're long past having babies they're, they're out of their prime and an angel comes and says you guys are going to have a baby and the Bible says that that Abraham's shocked and his wife laughs sometimes when God calls you to something you're going to have to be willing to face the laughter of other people but the truth is the laughter of, of Sarah is just her insecurity and fear See, so you're going to have to understand you are surrounded by people in this church and in this world that follow Christ but are okay to not trust him that that, that claim the Christian faith and are okay never seeing him do the miraculous. But for me, and hopefully for you, you should expect God to do great things. You should be a bet-the-farm type of follower of Christ. Number three is is I think that you get discouraged by your own voices in your head. Start walking, okay, he's gotten far enough away from all them crying and yelling at him and telling him to come back. And as he's walking, I think the next natural reaction is to go the heck am I doing out here I'm in the middle of a lake being buffeted by waves and I'm standing on water he begins to look down he sees the wind he sees everything going on and I think his natural reaction is to get discouraged in his own head and if I can tell you a second my greatest threat to me walking out the God the miracle God has called for me is myself It's me arguing or justifying or calculating why I can't do certain things or becoming afraid that God's not going to continue to work out this good work in my life. And you get discouraged by the voices in your head. Lincoln is six years old. He's my middle son. He goes to kindergarten. And for the very first time, he's dealing with what I would say peer pressure. But there's no really peer pressure in kindergarten. If you've never seen kindergartners, they barely match. match. And so kindergartners are, they, they, you know, they I've seen I've seen the boys go to school. They don't do their hair. They, they might wear ninja turtle pants with Spongebob top. They're just happy to be alive, right? They don't care. Like that's being a kindergarten is the greatest thing in the world. You can do whatever you want. You're just happy. You're just cute. And so he's going to school, but he's already struggling in his head with, with being a leader and not worrying about what other people are thinking. And so a few, a few weeks ago we went and we got winter coats and I went to, to Marshall's and, and I found a coat. And this coat is a long black coat and it has a hood on it, because you have to have a hood to take your kid to school because it's cold outside and it has fur on it. And I tried to explain to him, this jacket is cool. I tried to show him pictures of Tom Brady and Kanye West and people like that that have worn hooded, hooded jackets. He doesn't know who those people are, but I just want him to see. The grown men have worn these jackets before. If I could find a, a jacket with fur on it that has a hood, I'd wear it too. But I can't afford it because I got you. And so I have to wear a jacket without a hood. And so I get him this jacket. And I've had to convince him to wear this jacket every day. We'll go up to the thing. It'll be cold. It's been cold a couple days. I say, put your jacket on. i say, pull your hood up. And i will say, I can't. It has fur on. I said, what what does it matter? It has fur on. He said, well, people are going to say something to me. And I tried to explain to him. They don't even do their hair. They have SpongeBob pants on, Ninja Turtle shirt on. They don't care about anything but but going to school and having fun. They're not watching you. And I said, has anybody ever said something to you? No. So who is talking to you? You. You are discouraging yourself from being a leader. So stop talking to yourself. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. This jacket's is cool. Look. Kanye West. Tom Brady. I would wear it if I could but I'm too poor. Stop talking to yourself. And I thought to myself, this is me with God. I'm getting so discouraged God, talking to myself and God saying stop it. Listen, the most important thoughts or words for your life should only come from God's words over your life. And God's words over your life only come from God's scripture. So stop reading other things. Stop being discouraged by your own thoughts. Here's what I would say to you. is the greatest way for you to overcome your biggest life discouragements is to fill your head with biblical encouragements. There's so much in the Bible. Instead of listening to yourself, turn up the scriptures. You walk by faith, not by sight. You, you walk by faith, not by, by sight. In Psalms it says, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. If he's brought you into this moment, it's not as bad as you think it is and if you wait on him, if you wait on him, he's going to renew your strength, the Bible says. You fly on the wings of eagles. I don't know what that means, but that sounds awesome. You will run and you won't grow weary. Don't get discouraged by yourself. And, and number three, you get distracted from who you're walking to. I've heard this sermon preached many times. And I love this, this thought. We get distracted from who we're walking to. You see what happens to him? The Bible says he's on water. He's in the middle of a miracle. Everybody else in the boat scaredy cats. There's only one person that's going to walk on water. Yes, he fails. Yes, he sinks. We see that. Yes, he loses faith. But listen, he was the only one that trusted God enough to get out of the boat. So he gets out of the boat he starts walking and the Bible says that he looks around he sees wind. I'm not sure how you see wind. You see the effects of wind, right? You see, you see the waves, you see the ocean or the lake. You see the fish swimming by your feet. You see, you see the men in the back of the boat. You see this ghost that Jesus, you don't know who he is yet, in the front of the boat, like you're, you're walking on water. And the Bible says that he takes his eyes off of Jesus and he starts to focus on what he's walking on and he begins to sink. I'm not sure what you're walking on right now, but please do not give more brain space to, to what you're walking on and unless to, to who you're walking to. The author and the perfecter of your faith. You're, you're walking to Jesus, the Bible says. He's gonna complete this work in you before the day that you meet him. In other words, if you allow him, he's gonna do everything he has called you to do. Your heart's not gonna stop beating until you've accomplished the work he's called you to accomplish. He is faithful. The question is: are you faithful? And I think for many of us, As we're walking out the plan of God, we get distracted by what we're walking on. God, you've called me to be a follower of you. You've called me to change this world, and I'm walking on singleness right now. You're looking at Jesus, and he's good enough, and all of a sudden, you're you're walking on singleness. You start to look around, and the winds are blowing of singleness. And all of a sudden, see that big fish in the sea? You take your eyes off of Jesus, and you scoop him up. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 that thing is going to make your belly hurt. It's going to give you seasickness. It's going to give you gas. Don't, Don't do that. And you're like, no, 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 this is it. You take your eyes off of Jesus. You're walking towards Jesus, following him out financially, following him out with your time, following him out with your relationships, following him out in your commitment, and you begin to focus on what you're walking on, not understanding what you're walking on is just a bridge to get to where God's called you to be. It's just a tool God's using. And the way that you continue to walk on a creaky bridge, the way you continue to take uh, steps of faith is you fix your eyes on Jesus. You keep walking towards Jesus. It might not feel good, what you're on right now, but it will be good for you. God will use it if he's put you through it. He doesn't waste anything. All of my kids have gotten shots from one time or another. I'm going to close with this. I don't know if you're a parent where your kids have gotten shots. You can do two things when your kids get shots. You can lie to them and say it's not going to hurt. But the Bible says in Revelation that liars go to hell. So you shouldn't lie to your kids. I'm just fibbing. No, you're lying to them. So instead... You should explain to them what's gonna happen. They're gonna get a shot. It's gonna have a needle. They're gonna put it in your body, in your skin. And first, they're gonna take some, some stuff and put it on you. It's gonna feel like it's a shot, it's just your head. I'm gonna put the shot in. The shot's gonna be good for you. It's gonna, it's gonna keep you from getting mumps, measles, to turn you into a zombie, whatever you wanna tell your kids. It's gonna keep you healthy. So, what I told my kids, I've, I've had two get shots. Harrison, he's not old enough to have this conversation, so we just go right at it. Just put a shot in him. He's fat enough, it won't hurt him, right? <laughs> Got plenty of, of skin, right? My other kids, though, we would go in and I would say, okay, here's what's gonna happen. You're gonna sit there, it's, it's gonna be cold, it's gonna be scary, you're not gonna know what's going on. They're gonna come in, they're gonna weigh you, do all this stuff, and then they're gonna go out and they're gonna make you wait for about 25 minutes. Then the door's gonna open, and when the door's open, you're listen." Your, your initial reaction is going to be to focus on that big old shot coming through the door. I mean, this big old shot. You're going to see the ladies. going to have a little mask. I mean, it's going to be scary. So what I want you to do, when that door opens, as soon as that door opens, I want you to stop looking over there. I want you to look me in the eyes. I've already prepared you for what's about to happen. Look me in the eyes. And when you look me in the eyes, I'm going to look you in the eyes. And when we look each other in the eyes, we're going to count to three. One, 1,000, two, 1,000, three, 1,000. It's going to be over. The door would open, their initial reaction, they want to look, I say, no, 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 look at me. That's not what we do with God. You go through it through something that you don't want to go through, your initial reaction is to go, I'm done with you, God. to go, whoa, look at that shot. I said, no, no, look at me. So I pull the head back. I say, look at me, look at me. So they first they take that stuff, they rub it on, it's cold, it's a sign of what's to come, the pain. I said, don't look, don't look, and then I'll say, oh, here it comes, you ready? And he looks me in the eyes and I'll say, here we go, ready? One, 1,000, two, 1,000, three, 1,000, and she's out. And they'll look and I'll say, is that it? And I'll say, that's it. And they'll say, did I get the shot? Yeah. Did you feel the pinch? Yeah, it didn't really hurt that bad. I didn't even see them. I said, yeah, because you fixed your eyes on daddy. Instead of focusing on what you're called on, you're focusing on who you're walking to. Listen, that was good for you. It's keeping you from disease. Even though it hurt, even though it wasn't pleasant, the way to get through an unpleasant situation is to fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. And you see what happens. He starts to fall. He starts to go underwater. He starts to fail. And what does he say? Jesus, save me. And the Bible says Jesus is there to pick him up. Keep your eyes on Jesus today. Know how much he loves you. Know that the words of other people are not louder than the words of God. Don't get discouraged by yourself. Focus on who you're walking to, not what you're walking to not what you're walking on. Trust God today. Trust God. He's a good God. Would you stand with me all over this house, at our other campuses? Would you bow your heads or would you close your eyes with me? Maybe you have a hard time with this trust thing. If you're a follower of Christ, I believe you can relate with me and say, man, this is a struggle. This is a struggle. There's an old song that says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. That's what I would encourage you today. Turn your eyes to Jesus. Fix your attention on Jesus. Don't focus on what you're walking on right now. I know. Our habits are to give that credibility, to give it more meaning than it's worth. The only thing that you're going through, the only meaning of what you're walking on right now, is it's getting you to where God's calling you to be. It's giving you the strength to carry what God's calling you to carry. It's making you the person that God needs you to be when you get to where he's called you to be. And here's the thing. When you get there, he's going to do something else. Following Christ is just a continual trust trusting thing. God, I'm going to trust you to take my next step. I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of my faith. So my question is if that's you today, would you would you commit your life to God? Would you say, "You know what? Today, God, I just need to trust you more. God, I need to fix my eyes on you more. God, I need to stop talking about what I'm walking on and I need to realize who I'm walking to. That you are a finisher. That God, give me the courage to keep following you. And maybe you're in this house today as we get ready to close, get ready to leave this place. And you say, you know what, I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I just don't know him. You open up the word, I don't know the author. Here's the thing about the author of these words. Is the Bible says that he has authored your life. That he has written out the days of your life. And he knows you more than you know yourself. That before you were ever even on this earth, that he was making a plan for you. And he was molding you. And he knows the hairs on your head. He knows the beats in your heart. That he's a good father that has a good plan for you. And this world has done everything that it can possibly do to get you away from God. To silence his voice. To make you hurt. To make you bitter. To make you unforgiving. To cause you to walk through this world half the person you were supposed to be without purpose and meaning. But God's a good God. He's a persistent God. Some of you have ran, and God has ran harder. How do I know? Because he's gotten you to this moment right here in history to change your life forever. And the Bible says that, God, this is love. Not that you're going to love God. I'm not going to love God more. No, 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 no. But that God loved you, that while you were still a sinner, that Christ died for you on a cross, that he sent his son. He was willing to give up his son for you, and he died in your place for your sin. He took your punishment. The Bible says he took the keys of hell. No longer do we have to answer for our sin, no no longer do we have to be a result of the things that were done to us, but we can be a free people. We can live life and life abundant. And it starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ. He died on a cross for my sins. I believe that. I know who I am and I know what I need. His name is Jesus. And the Bible says if you would confess with your mouth and believe in your heart in Jesus that you will be saved. This is love, not that you love God, but that he loves and chooses you. Would you respond to that message today? Would you respond with a hand in the air saying, you know what? I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't trust him. I don't walk out in in obedience. I'm not following him. I'm trying to make it on my own. But I believe it's a relationship with him that will bring purpose and meaning to your life today. If that's you in all three of our campuses today, just really quickly, you say, you know what? I need a relationship with Jesus Christ. Would you just shoot your hand up in the air and say, you know what? Today, I'm going to ask Jesus into my heart. I see a hand right there. Is there anybody else? Say, Pastor, that's me. That's me. I see another hand over here. Is there anybody else? Say, Pastor, I need a relationship with Jesus Christ. I see a hand right here. Thank you so much, sir. Is there anybody else? Say, Pastor, I need a relationship with Jesus Christ. Just so you know, friend, the only reason we're clapping for you is because we're excited about what God's about to do in your life. He did so much good in our life, not because we're good, but because he's good. And so we just clap with you. The Bible says heaven is stopping and rejoicing. This is a moment that's shaking history, that's changing the world. Is there anybody else who say, that's me, Pastor, at Plymouth meeting in Limerick? Just shoot your hand up in the air as your campus pastor is there waiting to respond. Is there anybody else here in, in, in Phoenixville with me right now physically who say, you know what? I need a relationship with God. I need a relationship with Jesus Christ. He's going to be my Lord and my Savior. Church, would you pray with me? I see one more hand right here. Yes, 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 yes. I'm going to give you one more second. Yep, yep, yep. Anybody else say, Pastor, that's me, that's me, that's me. Would you pray with me, church? If you didn't pray, put your hand up. You just pray this prayer. It's a simple prayer. You talk to God just like you're talking to a friend. Jesus, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for what you've done in this place. Thank you so much for your presence, Lord where your presence is and where your word is opened up and never returns void. I thank you for my friends in this room at Plymouth Meeting and Limerick. Lord, I don't know them. I don't know who they are, but you do. You know them better than they know themselves, Lord. And you have a plan bigger than what they could ever imagine. And that plan starts with a relationship with your son, Jesus Christ. And today they are confessing and they are believing. They need a savior. They know that you died for their sins in their place. You rose from the dead. When you rose from the dead, you defeated hell. You secured their place in heaven, Lord. So they know as they walk out this earth, Lord, they walk this out with purpose. And when they take their last breath here, on this earth, their next breath is going to be with you, Jesus. It's going to be with you, their savior, and I'm so thankful, Father, that this is a forever plan that you just brought them into. It is forever changing their life. It is forever changing their future. Father, you're going to do things in their life they never dreamed possible because you go with them. You live inside of them. You change their motives. You change their heart. You change their actions. You change how they look to the past, and you change their expectation of the future. Jesus, you're a good God, and we are so thankful for what you've done in this place today. In Jesus' name that we, put, we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you clap with me all over this house?